Welcome to your Monday edition of Transformation Radio. Hey guys, this is Doug from Phase 2. Just want to bring everybody together in prayer for our brother in Christ, Jacob Ford, as he is at his grandfather's funeral today up in Michigan, um, laying him to rest. So let's gather together. Dear Jesus, let's pray for our brother. We want to gather together praying for our brother, Jacob Ford. Um, Lord, we pray peace over him, pray peace over his family over his mother, over his father. Lord, I just pray that, um, Lord, you would just um, help him to be sober about eternity. Lord, I pray that we would all be sober about our eternity. Lord, I pray that you would use even this situation to glorify you. And Lord, I just pray that, um, Lord, as, as your word says, it's better to be in the house of mourning 
than in the house of laughter, for this is the end of every man, and we should all take heart thereof. And so, Lord, I just pray that today, as Jacob is in the house of mourning, Lord, that he remembers your eternity and that um, he would keep in perspective the hope that we have in you. And Lord, we're just so thankful that we get to spend eternity together with you. So pray peace and comfort. You're the God of comfort over this situation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, as we begin looking into the New Testament reading for today, our narrative will come from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 29 through 58. We'll read that some believers were baptized on behalf of others who had died unbaptized. Nothing more is known about this practice, but it obviously affirms a belief in the resurrection. Paul is not promoting baptism for the dead. He's illustrating his argument that the resurrection is a reality. If death ends at all, enjoying the moment would be really all that matters. But Christians know that life continues beyond the grave, and that life on earth is only a preparation for our life that will never end. What you do today matters for eternity. In light of eternity, sin is a foolish gamble. Your belief in the resurrection will affect your view of the future. It also ought to affect how you live today. We'll read that Paul says, I face death daily. It refers to the dangers Paul encountered every day. The uh, wild beasts in Ephesus referred to the savage opposition that he faced there. Keeping company with those who deny the resurrection can corrupt good Christian character. So don't let your relationships with unbelievers lead you away from Christ or cause your faith to waver. Paul, we'll see, compares the resurrection with the growth of a seed in a garden. Seeds placed in the ground don't grow unless they die first. The plant that grows looks very different from the seed because God gives it a new body, so to speak. There are different kinds of bodies. People, animals, fish, birds, even the angels in heaven have bodies that are different in beauty and glory. Our resurrected body will be very different from our earthly body. It will be a spiritual body full of glory. And now, let's begin today's reading here in the New Testament. August 24th, the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 29 through 58. If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right. And stop sinning. For to your shame I say that some of you don't know God at all. But someone may ask, How will the dead be raised? 
What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body He wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh, one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die. But they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us, The first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And now, as we look into the book of Psalms, our reading today will be from Psalm 39, verses 1 through 13. David resolved to keep his tongue from sin, that is, he decided not to complain to other people about God's treatment of him. David certainly had reason to complain. He was the anointed king of Israel. 
but he had to wait many years before taking the throne. Then one of his sons tried to kill him and become king instead. But when David could not keep still any longer, he took his complaints directly to God. Now we all have complaints about our job, money, whatever our situation might be, but complaining to others may make them think that God cannot take care of us. It may also look as if we blame God for our troubles. Instead, like David, we should take our complaints directly to God because ultimately only He can take care of it. Life is short no matter how long we live. If we have something important we want to do, we must not put it off for a better day. Ask yourself, If I only had six months to live, what would I do? Tell someone that you love him or her? Deal with an undisciplined area in your life? Tell someone about Jesus. Well, hey, because life is short, don't neglect what's truly important. Psalm 39, verses 1 through 13. For Jeduthun, the choir director, a Psalm of David. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. The more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Interlude we are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Rescue me from my rebellion. Do not let fools mock me. I am silent before you. I won't say a word, for my punishment is from you. But please stop striking me. I am exhausted by the blows from your hand. When you discipline us for our sins, you consume like a moth what is precious to us. Each of us is but a breath. Interlude Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cries for help. Don't ignore my tears. For I am your guest, a traveler passing through, as my ancestors were before me. Leave me alone so I can smile again before I am gone and exist no more. Proverbs chapter 21, verses 30 and 31. No human wisdom or understanding or plan can stand against the Lord. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Broken memories, you are. 
Hey, this is Russ Hand. Um, I just wanted to give a shout-out to my buddy, Ben Wilson. I'm just so happy that he's back, and I'm really proud of him for sticking it out and uh, coming back to the refuge and continuing his walk with Christ. And I love you, Ben, and uh, hope to be hanging out with you soon. Take care. Yeah, I'd like to affirm Brandon Roberts. Um, buddy, I'm just so proud of you for facing your fears and continuing to stay here every day and every day waking up in the refuge, buddy. That's all that matters. And I'd like to affirm you also for sticking it out at Thompson's. Um, it's a rough job. Not everybody makes it there, but I've heard nothing but good things about you there. And I just pray that your faith keeps uh, increasing. And I just want to say I love you, buddy, and I'm glad to be in the refuge with you. Thanks. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. That's a pretty important part of tonight. And now this great statement. I know them. You say, well, why is that important? Because you don't know you like he knows you. And so if anybody's going to lead you, it shouldn't be you. Probably should be him because he knows you. Really, really knows you. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one, not anybody, can snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that amazing? He's saying, my sheep... They listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And that tonight is as simple as we can make it. It's as simple as it is. It's, it's learning how to prioritize in our own lives a sensitivity to the small voice of God. Remember the story of Elijah? Elijah's on the run from uh, Ahab the king, and he thinks he's going to get killed. So he runs as far as he can run. He ends up wrestling with this, this angel and hiding in a cave. And in the cave, he knows that God's going to come and speak to him while he's in this cave. And first, this massive roar of wind comes through. And, but the scripture says Elijah didn't find the voice of God and the huge wind that came through. And then an earthquake happened, something very dramatic, like you know God's got to be speaking when an earthquake happens. And the earthquake happened and Elijah said, yeah, I didn't hear anything in the earthquake. And then there was this massive, you know, uh, outbreak of storm and he says you know I didn't hear God in any in any of the thundering but then Elijah says that at the end of it there was this little gentle whisper and in that little gentle whisper I heard the voice of God and I went out to the mouth of the cave to see and to hear what God was going to say to me and hearing that voice it just requires I think a conditioning constantly of our hearts to say I'm the sheep and you're the shepherd. What are you saying to me? I'm always listening because I want to be there. I want to be in that moment where the sheep hear his voice and they know that he knows them and they follow him. So I say all that to leverage into this moment and this is the kind of the Louis moment of the deal. For me, tonight is about me having a chance to say to you as a group of people, that my season here teaching this every week is not going to last forever. In fact, it's going to come to an end. And I wanted to couch that in a bigger picture. 
Because it's hard for me to come to that decision. It was a very difficult thing for me to process through. And I couldn't figure out how to roll in one Tuesday night and say, well, you know, at the end of the summer, we head into the fall, I'm going to step back from 722 for a while. I won't be here teaching. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week. We'll conclude the series. And so I thought, how do I process that out loud? And I thought the best way I can is to say that for me in my life and for Shelly and me as we've journeyed through life, we've wanted to be people who could hear the voice of the shepherd, uh, to know that he knows us well and to follow him in whatever that says. And so for me, when I started about two years ago and really about a year ago, hearing this little voice in my heart saying, hey, Louie, there's going to be an end to your season here. You've been an incredibly faithful servant. Thank you for being at 722 for all these years and all these Tuesdays, but that season's going to come to an end. I started thinking, that's not the voice of God. That's not the voice of the Lord. Look around. This is the coolest thing on planet Earth. How can anybody not teach here? How can anybody not do this? I mean, you'd have to pry me off of this, you know, with dynamite. I mean, how, that can't be the voice of God. And then another month would go by and be like, you know, your season's going to be ending there. And I'd be like, what season? Not ending, not now ending. I'm not ready to, you know, I'm old but I'm not that old. I mean, you know, hello. Um, and so a month would go by and that voice is just there and it's there and it's there and it's there and it's there. And I just started testing that voice and sitting with that voice and praying around that voice and trying to clear space in my heart to listen to that voice, talking to people I loved about that voice, talking to Shelly about that voice, talking to people that have helped me figure out my life journey about that voice and finally coming to a place after about a year of going, I'm hearing a still small voice in the middle of the thunder of potentially one of the greatest ministries that God is doing anything with on planet earth. In the middle of all of the greatness of it, I'm hearing a little voice. And it's just a gentle whisper. It never was anything like, you know, all of a sudden it's me and you and you and we're the only people here one Tuesday night and I'm starting to get the voice, you know, like, hello, <laughs> we're the last two guys here. And it's like, I got an idea. Maybe God, you know, wants us to not do this anymore. That would be the thunder. You know, to walk in and, and, and all of a sudden have somebody, you know, have a little pink slip for me when I got here on a Tuesday night saying, thank you very much, but, you know, we won't be needing you next week. That would be the earthquake, and it would be like, duh, I get it. Or if the email was jammed up with, please get rid of the speaker, you know, then people would be going, all right, you know, there's a huge wind rushing down through the valley. Maybe it's time, but great. Everything's going so well. But there's this little voice saying, hey, follow me. I'm like, where? And that's the coolest thing. The where is when you want the map. You want the guide until you get to follow me. And then you want the map. You're like, I'll follow you. I need a map. I need to know where we're going. I want to know exactly what it's going to look like. I'm not, not doing this unless I know what we are doing. I'm not taking this kind of step unless I know what's on the other side of it. And you know, so if you'll show me all that and you'll give me the map, then we can talk. And he's saying, no, the map is me. How do you feel about following me? And it's been interesting as I've talked to people about it, shared with people about it, and processed with people about it. Pretty much every single person <laughs> at some point has said, that's been the common denominator. Followed by this statement, are you sure? <laughs> and I have to tell you tonight, I'm not sure. I'm not 1,000% sure. That'd be a little scary for me to say, I have heard the voice of God, and I am 1,000% sure I have. I don't know that I've ever said that in my life. I'm not sure I want to get to that place, because I'm an idiot, and it's very possible that it just could have been voices floating around up there, and not his voice, but just voices. And so how do you know that? Well, 
You walk it through with people, you don't make hasty decisions, you pray about it a lot, you take a whole lot of time, you wrestle with it, you lay awake at night a lot, you go in your closet and shut the door sometimes, and you just, at the end of the day, need enough certainty of that voice to take that step, and that's what I've got. And so I'm just telling you that I'm doing the unthinkable thing, and it's unthinkable for a lot of reasons, and I've had some people just have enough nerve to tell me, you're crazy. And I said, yeah, I know, I think I am crazy. And I can't imagine taking a step like this. But I'm going to. Because I want to be at this stage of my life, not somebody who settles and establishes and consolidates and maintains speed. I want to hear his voice and follow him no matter what. I don't think. When I said earlier in the kingdom path that we risk always, I use risk in a very loose sense because there are no risks with God. None. Zero. None. None of us has ever taken a risk with God. I know it's part of our vernacular. I heard the voice of the Lord. I made this decision. We took a big, huge step of faith. Okay, that's true, but we took a big risk with God. No, you didn't. No one ever took a risk with God. You can't put risk in God in the same sentence. You can't say, wow, we're just going to risk it and trust God. Well, if you're trusting God, you're not risking it. Well, okay, so we're just going to risk it with God and hope he comes through. Well, if you're risking it with God, you're not risking it because you're Risking it with me could be a huge risk. But if you're risking it with God, no risk involved with God. I don't care if you're going up Amazon River in a canoe. There is no risk with God. And obeying God is always a good idea. No matter how far you can see, whether it's a mile or one inch in front of your face. I can hear her say